God made the world and it was good. He made Adam and Eve. He made Adam from the dust of the ground and then he blew into his nostrils and it gave him life. He made Eve from the rib of Adam. God was there in the beginning. He was there before the beginning. He has always been. He always will be. And tonight I want to talk about when sin first entered the world. In Genesis 2, like we talked about last week, in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when you eat from it, you will certainly die. I mean, it's like putting us in the middle of Memorial City Mall, or me, sorry I lumped you into this. It's like putting me in the middle of Memorial City Mall and saying, you can shop with an endless amount of money, but you cannot go in the Apple store. And you walk by it with all these beautiful lights and people in blue shirts and cool white desks and MacBook Pros and iPad things and you just stare at it. And you take a little step like, I can't! You can't, don't, don't even, you know, you, but you can go over here to this store. You, you can go to Aeropostale. Okay, I don't even know that's still a store, but you, you can go to, I don't know, because obviously I don't go to the mall very often, but you can go to any other store. It's like, it's like putting you in the middle of the, of the, of the, um, the food what's that, court, thank you, thank you, I'll pay you later for that. It's like putting you in the middle of the food court at Katie Mills, which is horrible, and telling you you can't eat at, at Sabaro's not even there, I don't even think anymore, is it? Talk to me. No? It's not? It's never been there. I don't even know what's good there. Uh, let's just... Burger King? Huh? Charlie's. I apologize. I actually went there on Father's Day. That's real. It's like putting you in the middle of the food court and saying, no Charlie's. But you must eat from the free chicken place a thousand times. You want free chicken? Yes. You you actually can get full at Katie Mills Mall by just continuing to walk in a circle of the food court. You want free chicken? Yes, I do. Thank you. I already saw you four times. I know, but you keep feeding me. It's, 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 it's like telling you, I mean, this is what God has done. He has put Adam and Eve in the middle of this beautiful garden. And he said, but don't touch that tree. That's like when, when someone hands you something hot and they say it's hot and they say don't touch it, you, you touch it. Seriously, I mean, I do. Because I'm like, oh, is it really? Oh, it's hot. You're like, you moron. That's the situation we have right here. And then he says, if you do, go to this tree and eat of it, you will die. And then it ends, Genesis 2 ends with this. In verse 25, it says, Adam and Eve were both naked and they felt no shame. And then chapter three, right after that, in chapter three, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, period. That is how chapter three starts, by telling us the serpent, aka the devil, the enemy, 
is, more, is the most crafty thing that God has ever made. I mean, why'd you make him? Snakes are, ugh. okay? That, that, that's, that's how he starts. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, the crafty little satanic devil snake, says to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? I mean, first of all, that's rude. He didn't even say, hi, hey, how you doing? By the way, I'm serpent. He just started talking. Like they were just naked and hanging out naked. And then the next part is a talking snake. Like that's weird. I mean, that, that, that doesn't make, make sense. But I want to show you what the enemy does. Because this serpent that we're talking about is still going around today. And is still doing exactly what we see him doing right here. Because if he can get Eve to doubt the word of God, then he can get Eve to doubt God. So let's look again what he says. Did God really say? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? If the enemy can get you to doubt the words of God. Like, did God really say you shouldn't do this. Maybe you thought those things before. Maybe God, maybe he really meant, oh, this, this is what that means. And we, make, and we make the word of God fit for us, Christians. I need everybody to zone in tonight because I believe God has something great for you. And you're for interrupting somebody else. I'm going to ask you to stop. Did God really say that I should or shouldn't do this? Because the truth is, once you can't trust somebody's word, you can't trust them anymore. At least that's how I am. Once you lie to me, eh, I don't, you, gotta, you gotta work really hard for me to trust you again. And that's the same thing. That is exactly what the enemy is doing to Eve, saying, did God really say that? In verse two, the woman said to the serpent, which is an issue, issue number one, woman talking to snake. That's weird. I mean, I mean, who, like if you ever, like not the zoo, like, oh, hello, little snakey snake. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Hey, look at this. Hey, snakey snake. Like, no, like, like that's normal. I mean, that's weird too. Like if I saw, I'd be like, oh, okay, we need to go. I mean, that's a snakey snake. Who, what in the world? Hello, boa constrictor. Hi, I see you. No, no, we see a woman having a conversation with a snake. That's, what? Issue number one. And Adam's just like watching her. I don't know where Adam is. No one knows where Adam is. He's working the fields. I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't know what he's, you know, he's watching football. I don't know what, I don't know what Adam is doing. He's over talking to, to the furry nopes. If you were here last week. All right. Thank you. Five of you. I thought it was funny too, but she's having a conversation with a snake the woman says to the serpent, catch this, you gotta catch this. We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, this is Eve telling the snake, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. So she is quoting back to the serpent exactly what God said. There's a comma right here, because what you see next is Eve adding to the text. 
You see Eve adding to what God said. God did not say this next part. So she's already in a downward spiral of sin because she is talking to the enemy, because she is having a conversation, because she is so close. And now the enemy is manipulating her, so she is thinking other things. Because God did not say not to touch it. He said, just don't eat it. But Eve says, he did say, you must not touch it or you will die. She is misquoting the Bible. Christians, we do that as well. We get into times when, when we start saying things that are in the Bible and truly they're not in the Bible. Be very careful about that. My encouragement to you would be to know the Bible. How do you do that? You read it and you apply it to your life as much as possible. We see Eve misquoting the Bible. I'm sorry, misquoting God. In verse four, in their conversation by this tree, the serpent says back, you're not gonna die. Like really? You think this good God is gonna cause you to die if you eat an apple? I don't know why we say it's an apple, but I just picture an apple. Are you really gonna die? Verse five, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He says, you're not gonna die because God knows if you eat this apple, Eve, you are gonna be just like him. You're gonna be able to see everything and do whatever you want. He is starting these lies and you know this, that the enemy is full of lies. He there's things that maybe you think about yourself that are negative. I just want you to know that's the enemy. There's things, all sorts of lies that he tells us. Why? Because he wants to destroy you. So number one, the first lie that he says is, you're not really gonna die. The truth is that God didn't say you might die. God didn't say you could die. He said that you will die, period. No doubt about it. He said you will die. Satan is saying that God's word is really not worth believing. Saying that he's a liar, saying it's not, it's, 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 you know what, you don't need to really trust his word. He's doing that back to back now in their conversation. The first few things that he says about God is you don't need to trust his word. It's all made up. It's not a big deal. You know, when, when, when God says to cast your cares on him, on me, when he says that in the word, hey, just cast your cares on me and I will take care of it. Do you really believe that? We gotta think about that. Do we really believe that? Because if you do, then why do you still have your own worries on yourself? If you really believe the word of God, then the question is then, how come we are still hanging on to our worries and our cares? Do we really believe that this God is real? The second lie that we see in this is that for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. It's a lie saying this, that you will be able to escape judgment. A lie saying that if you don't, if you do what God asks you not to do, that there will be no judgment on you. The lie saying that, you know what, you can just do, you can accept Christ, you can know Christ, but you can just live however you want. That's a lie. That's a lie. 
We will ne- nobody will escape the judgment of God, both Christians and non-Christians. You will not escape the judgment of God. And some of you need to catch this. It's not about walking down the aisle and getting baptized that makes you a Christian. Understand that. It's not about knowing who God is that makes you a Christian. You need to know that. Because even the enemy, even Satan, says the name of God. It's about knowing him and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you see true fruit from your life. It's not about coming to church that makes you a Christian. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus. It takes time to learn more about him. The third lie that we see is that you will be like God. And this looks like this for us, is that we just live in freedom and do whatever we want. Just acting like it doesn't really matter. That's, that's what he says. You can be like God, saying just do whatever you want. Live free, just go for it. Because God's a loving God. He's a loving God. Why would he send me to hell? He's not sending anybody to hell. People choose hell because they don't choose him. And hell is a very real place. And I don't talk about hell to scare you. I talk about hell because it's real. Verse six, when the woman saw that the, remember she's having a conversation. She is so close to the enemy right now. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good. Look at these great words about this beautiful apple store. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her weak husband who was with her and he ate it. Her husband just sat there and allowed his bride to eat the apple. This is a whole nother conversation if I was talking to more adults when I would talk to the men in the room and tell you to man up and lead your wife a little better but I'll calm down because none of y'all have wives or husbands that I know of at least sitting on the floor yet. If you do, awesome, let's talk. (laughs) She gave it to her husband who was with her and ate it. And this looks like this, is that sometimes we bring people down with us because we've started having the conversation with the enemy. We've started getting so close to sin that we reached out and touched it and we bring some of the people that we love the most with us. Hey, try this hey, we should do this, and then that person falls too. Because of this moment right here in verse six, we now find joy and pleasure in everything that will ultimately kill us. Because of this verse right here, sin entered the world, and we find pleasure in doing the things that are against God. It's natural. I need you to catch what I'm saying right now. This is what I want you to hear tonight. It's natural for us to have affections for things that he is not pleased with. I'm gonna say that again. It is natural and normal to have affections and feelings and emotions for things that God is not pleased with. Why? Because of this verse. Thank you, Eve, or Adam, because he didn't tell Eve. There's a whole thing here. But because of this moment, this happens. And though it's natural, doesn't mean it's okay. Though it's natural to have these feelings and emotions of whatever that sin may be for you, of whatever that struggle may be, and we all struggle. I struggle too. One of my hardest things that I struggle with is pride. And it is hard for me. I struggle with that. I struggle with other things and I fight it daily. 
There are all sorts of different things of affections in the Bible that the Bible is very clear on talking about. I'll list a few. Lying, natural, struggle with pornography, natural, gossip, natural, homosexuality, natural, fits of rage, natural, selfish ambitions, natural, drunkenness, idolatry, sexual immorality are all natural things that we mess up and we fall into. But it doesn't mean it's okay. Why I keep saying it's natural? Because I don't want you to be labeled by your temptation. I want you to be labeled by Christ. God does not promise to remove our temptations. He promises to give us the power and the ability to flee the temptations. Catch that, understand that. He does not say, you will not be tempted. Nowhere does it say that in the Bible. It doesn't say you're not gonna be tempted. You're gonna be tempted. Why? Because of that verse I just read. Nowhere does it say that, but what it does say is to flee from temptation and that God will give us a chance to get out of that temptation and we can go to him. So understand, if you're tempted with things over and over and you may question yourself like, why do I keep struggling? Why does this keep happening? I want you to know that you're not gonna be labeled by that temptation. That's not who you are. The enemy wants to tell you because you're so close to him, hey, you're a loser, hey, you're this, hey, you're this, hey, you're this. I just wanna talk about homosexuality for a second. Here's the deal with homosexuality, it is wrong. It is wrong. And it is no different than lying. It is no different than lying. Christians have taken a sin and they have elevated over other sins. Here's the thing. If somebody who is a homosexual accepts Christ, that does not all of a sudden erase the temptation to be a homosexual. It doesn't. They may still struggle. They may still have those thoughts. Just like whenever you became a Christian and you lied before you were a Christian and you still lie. Or just like when you struggled with pornography before you became a Christian and you just got done looking at pornography a little bit ago. It's no different. It's no different. So why are Christians asking me, how do I lead my friend who struggles with homosexuality to Christ? Why do they ask me that question? Because the answer is the same as how do I lead my friend to Christ who struggles with lying? It's no different. How do I lead my friend to Christ who's gossiping all day at the lunch table? How do I lead my friend to Christ who has pride like crazy? It's no different than how do I lead my friend to Christ who struggles with pornography or is in a relationship and having sex with his girlfriend or boyfriend before they're married? How do I lead them to Christ? The truth is, here's how you do it. You want the answer? It's not, it's not a method. It's not a system, Christians. It's not a system. It's not a method. It's very simple. It's called love. It's called love. How do you lead people to Christ? How do you show them Christ whenever they struggle with the temptation is we love them. We love them. We love them. We love them. And if they walk into our church, we love them. And if they don't come into our church, we love them. And if they're on the corner, we love them. Why? Why, Michael? Because that's what Jesus does to us. And we need to stop labeling sins. I know it's very hard because we live in a culture that put stuff up top and, and, and it's, very, it's a struggle, I get it. That's a temptation not to judge. Well, you shouldn't judge me for judging. I wanna say, well, then why are you judging me? Because you think I judged you. I mean, there's a whole thing. Write this down, remember this. 
Do not allow your temptations to govern your identity. Don't allow your temptations to say who you are. Just because you may struggle with pornography doesn't mean you're a porn addict. Just because you struggle with homosexuality doesn't mean that you are gay. Just because you struggle with lying doesn't mean you're a liar. Just because you struggle with all these things, that is not who you are. As a Christian and you have asked Jesus in your heart, here's who you are. You are saved, you are pure, you're amazing, you are beautiful. But the enemy is telling you you're all those other things. And God wants you to hear this tonight. All of us, adults, everybody, you, we need to hear this tonight. We need to stop having conversations with a snake and start talking to the Lord. Verse seven, they ate it and then both, their, both the eyes of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. Remember at the end of chapter two, it said that they realized they, or, or they were naked and they didn't even know it. They didn't even care. Just running around naked. Now, all of a sudden, they eat the apple and they realized that they're naked. Here's why. They just died. Do you remember when God said, when you eat of this, you will die? They just died. Everything about them died. Spiritually, physically, death enters the world. In verse 8, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Notice what it says is they heard the Lord God walking. They didn't hear God like, you morons, where are you? They didn't, they didn't hear him running. They didn't hear him stomping. I'm coming up the stairs. Y'all know what that's like. Like, I know. Lock the doors. Dad's coming. You know, with a paddle. I'm on you know, sorry, some of my childhood coming out right there. <laughs> but notice, notice what they see. Notice what they hear. Notice what is written right here. God is walking. He's approaching them calmly. He's saying, hey, 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 you don't need to hide from me. I'm coming to you calmly. Not to be resisted, but to be welcomed. And I think sometimes that we feel like we can hide from God. I think sometimes whenever we sin, when we make mistakes, when we feel like we shouldn't do things, we do exactly what we see them doing right here. They're hiding behind a tree. They're hiding behind a tree right here. We, we do the same thing. We, we try to hide from pastors because you sin. I don't Maybe you go into, into lockdown whenever you do something that you shouldn't have. You, you just kind of stop talking to everybody and you're hiding. And, and I, I don't know how you deal with whenever the, you sin. I'm not sure. But some of, us hide, some of us hide so far and so much that we never, ever, ever want to come back to God because we're so ashamed and we feel like no one loves us. Well, I want you to know right now, I don't care what the rest of the world is saying. I, I do not care. I'm telling you right now, whatever your struggle is in life, I want you to know that this person right here, who I am not perfect, I love you. And you can tell me anything in the world that you're struggling with, and I want you to know, if you'll allow me, I'll side hug you. I'll say, it's okay. My staff is the same way. All the people that work at this church, so many adults here will tell you the same thing. It's okay. It's okay. You're no different than me. And man, we're gonna get through this. They chose a tree to hide from. 
We do this also by trying to be a really good person. That's just us putting a tree in front of us and God like you're struggling inside, but you just try to be really, really, really good, even though you're struggling like crazy. You try to dress up really, really, really nice and block out what's happening inside. All you're doing is hiding behind the tree. All you're doing is separating you from God. You're putting something in between you and God. And I don't know what that looks like for you because truly what they should have done. And instead of trusting a created thing, they should have trusted the creator and they should get those trees out of the way and they see God coming and they're running to God. And look what, look what happens in verse nine. The Lord God called to the man, where are you? I mean, come on, dude, you're God. You don't know where he is. You're not so smart anyways. The reason that he says, where are you? is because he wants Adam to confess right here. Right here, we see the first time for confession. Right here, we see an opportunity for Adam to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm right here, I messed up. Because the truth is, God knew where he was. God knew he was gonna eat the tree. God knew all that was gonna happen. And he's not surprised. He just wants Adam to confess. Confession. What's confession look like for you? Father, I messed up again. Please forgive me. That's what it looks like for you. And then whenever you say that, you wanna to try to get away from it and walk away from that. That's the hard part. Father, forgive me, I messed up again. Genesis 9, 14, the very end here. God gets angry and starts talking to the serpent. So God is now talking to the snake, it makes more sense. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Who is this man that he is talking about? Who is this offspring that God is telling the enemy about? That he will crush your head, you will strike his heel. Here's what he's saying, that there's gonna be somebody that comes from the offspring of, of Eve. And that person is going to kill the enemy because when you stomp on someone's head hard enough, they will die. And guess what? It might hurt your foot. It's not gonna break your foot, not gonna kill you. That's what God is saying, that there's gonna be somebody from the offspring of Eve that is gonna come into this world and is going to stomp your head and is gonna hurt his heel. He may be on a cross, he may be just crushed a little bit, maybe bleeding some, but he will not die. There is someone coming, enemy, Satan, serpent, devil, that is going to kill you. So you need to get ready. Jesus is going to do what Adam and Eve couldn't do, which is please God perfectly. Jesus is going to be not hiding behind a tree. He's going to be on the tree as the person coming in between God and us. That is what Jesus is going to do. He is the mediator. He is the in-between. We don't need to go to anybody else. We can go to Jesus. He is on the tree for us. That's what we see right here. He becomes the curse so that we can walk free. My encouragement to everybody who's watching this online or is in this room or may hear it another day is this. You're okay. You're okay. Your temptation is not who you are. You live in a fallen world 
and it's really hard to be perfect. And being a Christian doesn't mean you're perfect. It means that you have hope. It means that you have a place that you can go. It means that you have freedom. It means that you can cry out to a God and a Father that will never hurt you. Because the truth is, if we got real in this room, which I know would not really happen, it's very hard, is that if I would say, hey, if you struggle with lying, stand up, a lot of you would stand up. If I said, hey, if you struggle with pornography and you were honest, you would stand up. Both guys and girls would stand up. And if I said, if you struggle with homosexuality, you would stand up. And at that moment, some of you would look around like, I cannot believe that they are here. And here's where we need to get to. Here's where I want to get to in this student ministry and this church, is that when those people step foot in here, no matter if it's a liar, no matter if someone was struggling with porn, drinking, drugs, cussing, whatever it may be, whatever the sin is that we have put, here's what I want. When they stand up, when they stand up and they have a struggle, you say, hey man, I just want you to know, love you to death. I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. It's cool. Love you. Here we go. Go Texans. That's, sit down. Thank you. That's what I want you to do. That's, that's it, Christians. That's it, Christians. That's, that's it. That's what Jesus calls us to do. Like you're struggling with, oh man, just want you, hey, it's cool. Love you. So glad you're here. That dude's about to preach. I don't know what he's going to say. He's crazy. He's going to sweat a lot. Okay? But man, hey, glad you're here. So awesome. Killer party. Your temptation and your struggle does not define you. Jesus does. Jesus does. When the temptation happens, here's what you do. Here's what you do. You run. You flee. You get away from it. If your struggle's on your phone, break your phone. If your struggle's with your boyfriend or girlfriend, break up. If your struggle's with lying, shut your mouth. If your struggle's with anything else, just stop. Work on it. Talk to God. Pray like crazy. Talk to a pastor. Maybe tonight your struggle is that you have a massive struggle because you don't know Jesus. You don't know this God that loves you so much. You've heard about him, but you didn't really realize how much he really loves you. You thought that you had to be a really good person to accept Jesus. You thought that you had to do all this stuff to be a Christian. Here's what it means to be a Christian. Knowing that God came to earth, died on a cross, rose again for you. That's it. You don't have to pray a prayer. You don't have to do anything. It's knowing that, it's coming to him, and it's living the life. And you will know, then you will have eternity with him when you are no longer here. And so tonight I wanna to give you that opportunity. I wanna give you an opportunity to know this Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. So with no one looking around.